following is a continuation in our series looking at the lies that Satan tells us. We hope you enjoy. We're going to continue looking at our lies that Satan tells us series. And tonight we're going to look at the lie that your prayer life is about you. Like this whole idea of communicating with God is about you and what you can get out of it. So let me pray for us, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we love you. We ask that you would be with us as we uh, look at this topic of prayer tonight, Lord. Even as we pray now, Lord, let us be humbly reliant upon you and what you're doing. I pray that you be with each of these young men and women. Draw them closer to you, and I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So a little fun story here. A coworker asked a friend why he got donuts even though he was on a diet. So this guy was on a diet. And he's sitting there eating just a, you know, a couple dozen Krispy Kremes or whatever, just pounding these donuts away. And he said, well, what's the deal? You're on a diet. Why are you eating these donuts? He said, well, I came around the corner where the donut shop was and I told God if he wanted me to buy some donuts to have a parking spot in the front. And on the eighth time around, there was a parking spot. So he kind of just prayed until he got what he wanted, right? And that's kind of a silly, goofy example, but how often do we do that with our prayers? Like we take something that we want and we act as if we deserve it and we almost demand that God gives it to us. We want prayer to be something that we can get something out of. So it always starts with this self-centered perspective. And that's what Satan wants to convince you of. That's the lie that he wants you to believe. He wants you to think that your prayer life is about you and your desires. There are healthy ways that we can express our desires to God, and God blesses us in those things. But we have to be careful about how we use prayer. So, say it wants you to believe that your prayer life is about you. So, our, our main point for tonight is prayer is meant to be a gift from God and a means for us to communicate our trust and reverence for Him. So, I want to start by looking at how prayer is about our relationship with God. So turn your attention to Matthew chapter 6. And Asa, could I get you to read verse 9 for me? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This is the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so what does the Lord's Prayer tell us about our relationship with God? According to that verse. Who does it say that God is? Okay. He's our Father. Okay. Jesus tells us that we are to pray to God the Father. Okay? He teaches His disciples to pray by beginning with these words, Our Father who art in heaven. So He wants us to filter our prayers through the relationship that we have with God as our Father. So let's talk about fatherly love for a little bit. First John 3.1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. So John stresses this idea that God the Father loves us so much. Okay, This love can be a great motivator. It can motivate us to grow in our faith. It can motivate us to grow in our love for other people. It can grow in our desire to do good things. Okay, and When you know you're loved, it can give you a great level of hope and strength. It can be quite devastating when you feel rejected by love, right? But think about John as he's writing this. He's much later in age, right? He's experienced God's love 
throughout his entire life. And he's just seen all sorts of things. He's seen God work in crazy and mighty ways. But he's seen the beautiful love of God the Father playing out throughout his entire life. So he's building on this whole experience of God's love communicated to him. And he begins that verse by encouraging his readers to see this type of love. See the Father's love. So what should the Father's love do for us daily? Uh, The Father's love, just a couple I wrote down. It touches every aspect of our life. It should encompass our thoughts and our behavior. It should motivate us to live holy lives. It should give us great comfort in a hardship. It should fill us with hope. So there's innumerable things that the love that God the Father gives us should motivate us to do. So let's turn our attention back to Matthew 6, continuing to look at the Lord's Prayer. Carabeth, would you mind reading verse 10 for me? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so looking at what Jesus tells us about the Lord's Prayer right there, whose will is to be at the center of our prayers? Is it our will? No, it's God's will. Okay, Whenever we come to prayer... We should come to it with a great level of humility, recognizing that, you know, it's not my will be done, but your will be done. Part of the problem for us as human beings is we want to set up our own little kingdoms here on earth. And that's why he's emphasizing your kingdom come, not ours, but God's. Who here would love to be king or queen of their kingdom? Like if you could just run everything, I think we would all probably answer yes to that, right? We love to be at the center of everything, right? We love to be the one making the decisions. But God is calling us here to step back from that and see that there's something even greater. Adam and Eve saw that the fruit was good for their eyes. Okay? And Satan convinced them that they could become like God if they ate of that fruit. So there's that innate desire to be the one in control that starts back in the garden. And that's why Jesus reminds us here that it's God's kingdom. It's His will not ours. All of our problems stem from that desire that Adam and Eve had to become like God. This is why Jesus stresses that God's kingdom has to come and not ours. So what does this mean? This means that when we pray, no matter what the outcome, we're to submit to God's will. Who here loves submitting to others? Anybody? As human beings, we really just don't like submitting to others. Okay. Why do you think that is? What about having to submit to somebody else? Just makes you cringe. Gideon, you had your hand raised. Because they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> okay. Because they may they may not be the best authority, Emma. We don't get to do what we want to do. Yes. Okay. That's the heart of it, right? We don't like t- people telling us what to do. Uh, this is why when this is why when your parents tell you to clean your room for the nine hundredth time, you don't do it because you don't think you need to have your room clean. It may not actually be the thing itself, but it's just the fact that somebody told you to do something. Go clean your room. Go take the garbage out. Whatever it is. Again, when we pray, we are to submit to God's will, not ours. And that's a really tough pill for us to swallow because we don't like submitting. This means that you could be praying for something your whole life. Something good. And God doesn't answer it. Does that seem fair? Does that seem fun or good? It's what we're called to do. We're called to keep pressing on in our prayers. We're never called to just give up. We're never called to try and manipulate God, but rather we're called to come to Him faithfully. And I think one of the reasons why we come to prayer with such bad attitudes is we live in a time that's so entitled. Do you guys know what entitlement is? 
Entitlement essentially means that you deserve whatever you want, whenever you want it, and however you can get it. I used to work at Chick-fil-A. Okay, Y'all know this. Okay, I was a manager there, and I dealt with a lot of people in my years of customer service. So when you order a Chick-fil-A sandwich with no pickles, even though that's a, that's a travesty because it's supposed to have pickles on it. Really? Yes, it is. I knew I'd get that look for me. And you get pickles on the sandwich and you bring it back up to the line and you start yelling and cussing and screaming because you deserve that sandwich the way that you wanted it. And you start demanding this refund and you demand a new sandwich and then you start demanding all these other things. That's the type of culture that we live in. Like this, this culture of like, I deserve whatever I want because I feel like I've been wronged or I want something. So we just have this feeling of entitlement, right? We always feel like we deserve more than we actually should deserve. And that can play out into our prayers. We feel like God owes us something. We feel like we deserve for God to answer our prayers. Again, we're called by Jesus to come to him in humility, asking for the things that we need and desire. So keep your finger in Matthew 6, because we're going to come back here in just a second. But let's turn to Luke chapter 11, verses 9 to 13. Alright, I'm going to read it. Luke 11, 9 to 13. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, instead will give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, he will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And so this illustration that Jesus uses about this fish and this egg and the snake and the scorpion, what does this illustration tell us about the way that prayer works? What does it tell us? What does God do when we pray? Yes, okay. Yeah, so it further communicates this whole idea of this fatherly love, right? I'm a father. I want the best for my kids, right? doesn't mean I'm going to spoil them with everything, but it does mean that I want to give them good things. I want them to enjoy life, okay? And if my daughter asks me for a grilled cheese sandwich, I'm not going to hand her a pine cone, okay? doesn't make any sense, okay? And what Jesus is telling us here is that when we go to God with godly desires and things that are honoring to him, why would God in turn give us something that we don't need, right? It's like somebody going and asking for a fish and instead getting a snake or asking for an egg and someone getting a scorpion. If your parents just handed you a bunch of scorpions for breakfast, okay, would you be happy? Maybe some of you would. But the point is, God gives us the things that we need. He gives us good gifts, So this means we need to think similarly about the way that we look at earthly relationships. And I want to start with this. I want to preface it by saying this. Not everybody has a good earthly father. Not everybody's been blessed with that. Many of us have, and that's a beautiful thing. But some of us don't know our earthly fathers. Some of us have bad examples of earthly fathers. But I want you to see from this passage that what Jesus is telling us here, he he calls... The earthly father's evil in this passage, right? Did you catch that? He says, even you who are evil, 
You still know how to at least try and give good gifts. He's telling us of something even greater here. He's giving us the ultimate picture of what a father's love is supposed to be like. Okay? Even more so than an earthly father. Sin has caused that fracture in a relationship. That's why we have these broken parenting relationships. But Jesus is, is again, trying to show us something fantastic. Which means that even if you don't have a good example of a father, or even if you don't have a father, this speaks directly to you because God is your father. Okay? Father's supposed to lead, shepherd, love, and protect and care for his family. And that means that the children that are under him are under his authority. They're to be in submission to him. Which means God is our father. He is to decide what's best for us. He's to decide what we need. What we need to grow, what we need to worship, what we need to do good here on this earth. Which is why in verse 9 he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And then in verse 10, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? A good father will want to give good things to his children. And God wants to do that for you. But there is something that we need to do. Not that you do this in order to get God's favor, but when we come to our prayers, do we come to Him like a slot machine, like hoping that He answers our prayers? Or do we come to Him with a bunch of demands, like we make a to-do list for God each day, and we say, here, Lord, this is all the things I want. Boom. We just lay at His feet and, and say, you better do this or else, right? That's not a way to pray, because that's not what prayer was meant for. Prayer was meant for us to come to God and for Him to interact with us as the Father, as a father loves his children. And God wants to give you all the things that you need in life. So, in light of that, let's turn back to Matthew 6, and we'll finish with this. Continuing in the Lord's Prayer, Emma, would you mind reading 11 to 13 for me? I don't want you to leave here tonight thinking prayer is just supposed to be this boring thing where we can't ever ask God for anything that we want because God just wants us to live as hermits and never have fun. God does want you to enjoy life. It's okay for you to ask for things. It's okay for you to pray and ask God to get into a specific college. It's okay for you to pray and ask God to provide something for you that you want. It's just the attitude that we approach it with is hugely important. And then the Lord's Prayer, there's a clear need here, right? There's clear need for daily bread. And God is asking us to come to Him with that. The reason that we can take those needs to Him is because of what? Because He's our Father. And He wants to provide those things. So we simply need to recognize that when we come to Him in prayer, stating those needs with this understanding that we come to Him in humility should change the way that we feel about prayer. So instead of coming to it with this expectation that, God, you better do this or else. Or else I won't be faithful to you. Or else I'll start doubting you. Instead of doing that, we can come with this humble submission, knowing that God is going to answer the prayers in His will, not ours. Submitting to His will and putting ours aside. That's going to help us shape our prayer the way that it should look like. So, again, what should our prayer life look like? You should have no shame in asking God for the things you want. But I want you to see the difference between a couple things here, okay? If I spend my entire life asking God for a Ferrari, 
And because I have this innate desire to drive something really fast, okay? That's very different than you praying and asking God for a means of transportation because your car is broken down. Okay? See the difference between those two? One is very selfish and one is a need, a good desire. If I spend my entire life asking God to give me a spouse because I have this innate need to feel like loved by somebody at all times, that's different than me praying for a spouse because I want to share love with somebody. One's very selfish. One is unselfish. This also means this. It means that I can spend my entire life asking God to save a lost family member of mine. And he might not answer it. Would you be okay with that? Are you okay with that? But we need to be. Because it's not our decision. It's not our will. It's His. And that's a hard thing to wrap our heads around. But God stresses humility and trust here in this passage. And Satan wants you to think that, again, this whole lie, that your prayer life is about you, you, you. And if that's the case, if your prayer life really is about you, then this is where Satan has you. Okay? He has you at a point where you're always going to be frustrated. You're always going to be disappointed. You're always going to be discontent. Because you're always going to feel like you're never getting what you want or deserve. I hope tonight kind of helps us shape the way we view prayer. It can't be about us. It has to be about God. It has to be about that relationship because it's one of care. Even if we don't understand what God is doing, He is speaking to us through our prayers. In worship. I love all types of worship music. I don't really have a preference. I like old. I like new. But one of my favorite worship songs is the hymn, And Can It Be, by Charles Wesley. And it ends with this. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? I may never understand the way that God answers my prayer, but I understand that He loves me enough to die for me. I understand that He loves me enough to go to the cross and take away all my shame, all my burden. And that's what He wants us to do in our prayers, is to come to Him, laying our desires, our needs at His feet, This is why our prayer life is not about us, because it's about what God is doing. So we're going to spend some time talking more about that in small groups. Before we do that, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We ask that you would meet us here. Even as we talk about prayer while I'm praying right now, Lord, what a beautiful thing this is. And I just pray that you would work in the lives of these students. And we pray this in Christ's holy and wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WYM.